Suddenly, there are signs of hope. A new survey just out from Pew Research in Philadelphia shows America's worry about catching COVID-19 has dropped to a record low. A growing proportion of adults are now fully vaccinated. People we talked to at our ministry who did mistrust getting vaccinated now starting to get their shots. A warning, however, some people are stopping after a first dose of Pfizer or Moderna, and doctors are warning to get the second dose. This Saturday, my wife and I hit the fully vaccinated level, reaching the 14-day mark from our second shot of Moderna. In Canada, cases of COVID have risen recently from the increase in variants, but after stumbles in the supply chain, the country is starting to catch up in vaccinations. Europe is still in disarray over vaccine supply. The country of Czechoslovakia is back in Cold War misery with the world's highest death rate. Hope on the horizon. Ultimate hope with Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called Easter Stories. In the days and weeks following that first Easter Sunday, the Lord Jesus was still busy. If he wasn't visiting his disciples behind locked doors, he was walking with them on a road. He shared meals with them. He taught them from the scriptures. He shared life with them for 40 days. But then he ascended. It's Wednesday, and we're looking at some of the scenes in the Gospels that happened after the resurrection. Every Easter story shows us the grace and love of Christ. He died for his people, and when he rose again to life, he didn't disappear in the night. Instead, he spent time with them teaching them and helping them come to grips with the reality of what had just taken place. And I can't think of a more intimate Easter story than the one that involved a broken Peter, some charcoal fire, and the risen Christ. I invite you to stay with me so we can find encouragement like Peter did. Now, the last couple of weeks I've been telling you about the feature film called Risen. It follows the story of a Roman officer who was tasked with the duty to find the body of Jesus after the resurrection. And as he did that, he found many decaying bodies, but never the body of Jesus. This is one of the reasons why the film received a PG-13 rating. That's not for bad language or sexuality, but it is a gritty film set in the dark and dusty days of the first century. So with that in mind, our friends at the Center for Public Christianity in Australia asked the screenwriter why this film so blatantly deals with death. The point of doing that throughout the film and showing the bodies, the bodies rotting and being dug up and all this, we needed to differentiate and to bifurcate the film because there is a side of the film early on, which is Clavius's exploration and investigation, which has to do all about death. Find the body, find the body, dig up bodies. Their level of faith is limited. It's in darkness, and therefore you're dealing with death. Conversely, where the movie shifts gears and goes into the light, the glory, the hope, the faith, the resurrection, the redemption, the latter half of the movie is all about the contrary, which is to be alive, spring, Easter, rebirth. So early part of the film is certainly weighed down by darkness and death and what I call lack. The second part of the film is about abundance, life, rebirth, redemption, resurrection. Screenwriter Paul Aiello who co-wrote the movie Risen, sharing about the movie's powerful ability to show death as well as life in light of the resurrection. Both Christians and non-Christians will enjoy this movie. 
It's historical fiction, like Ben-Hur or The Robe, but it's all set in the biblical story about the risen Christ. It will encourage your faith and perhaps be used by the Lord to bring new faith for those who don't yet believe. Would you call us after the program? Would you make your gift to the ministry? But would you ask for a copy of Risen on DVD? Our number to call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org and watch the epic trailer for the movie. Our website, once again, is haventoday.org. And now, let's hear a resurrection song, sung for us by Mac Brock. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave.
And on the day you call me in to heaven's sweet embrace, I see your scars, your open arms, the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah! Christ is risen from the grave. From his album, Greater Things, that's Mac Brock and Christ is Risen, here on this Haven Today in a program called Easter Stories. I'm Charles Morris. It's something we can tend to forget, isn't it? Christ risen from the grave, of course, we know that. We sing it. But sometimes we forget just what that means. Hebrews 7.25 helps us remember how radical the resurrection was. Christ was a high priest. Hebrews tells us that, but not like the old high priests of the first century. The old high priests in Israel were mortal. They died, and they were replaced. Their sacrifices were not able to cleanse the people once and for all of their sins. Jesus, on the other hand, was the final sacrifice, the perfect offering that cleanses us now as well as forevermore. But Hebrews goes on. Jesus may have died, But he lives. He continues forever. He is risen. And because he has risen, he is able to save to the uttermost. That's why Easter is so radical. Christ is still alive, so he can save anyone anywhere, at any time. He can save to the uttermost. We can't forget that in the hardships that we face, Christ can save. In the sin that we struggle with day by day, Christ can still save. We are never left alone to face the darkness by ourselves. Christ is risen. Easter tells us that he can save us no matter where we are or what we've done. There isn't a person who felt that quite as deeply as the Apostle Peter. It was a cold night, the night Jesus was betrayed by Judas. The disciples had walked with Jesus about a mile northeast of the temple, across the valley of Kidron, And into that garden of Gethsemane with all those olive trees, Jesus was praying. Peter, James, and John were trying to, but sleep overtook them. Then the soldiers came, led by Judas, betrayed by a kiss on that cold, dark night. Jesus was taken away. The disciples made their way to the trial at the high priest's house, just back across the city center. John knew the high priest, so he was able to get in. And he brought Peter along with him. And there was Peter, standing around a fire, a charcoal fire, warming himself on a cold night. And then something curious happened. One of the people there in the courtyard asked Peter, a young girl, if he was a disciple of Jesus. His Galilean accident betrayed him. And Peter said no. Betrayal. Peter had no reason to say no. He arrived with John And they knew that John was Jesus' disciple. They asked Peter if he was also a disciple. But Peter was ashamed to be associated with his Lord. But yet, there he was, warming himself by the charcoal fire, waiting to see what would happen to Jesus. And then it happened again. You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? Again, Peter, having no reason to say no, said, I am not. Betrayal again. Jesus was supposed to be his good friend. 
just hours earlier, Christ told them, No longer do I call you servants, but friends. He washed their feet. He prayed for them to his heavenly Father. Peter was ashamed of Christ. He denied him. Standing there by that charcoal fire, Peter had an opportunity to claim Christ and bear witness. But his love for his own reputation proved too much. That charcoal fire represented Peter's betrayal. Many of us have charcoal fire moments that we can remember vividly, moments that we had an opportunity to stand with Christ, to identify ourselves with him or with those he has called us to serve. And we folded at the last minute. The charcoal fire was a painful memory for Peter. Well, flash forward a few days. Jesus had risen. The disciples were still unsure what was happening, but they had met with Christ twice already. Yet here they were, going back out to fish, a hundred miles north in the Galilee, taking up their fishing nets once again. But Jesus was not willing to let them return to life as usual. They were fishing. They had fished all night, but they hadn't caught anything. And they didn't recognize Jesus standing on the shore. But John 21 tells us the story of what happened next. The man on that shore cried out to them, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing that net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. 153. A very specific number. I remember being told in Israel about that 153 seeds, the number of seeds found in a common pomegranate. And then the last time I was in Israel, a friend of mine was staying in room 153. All those signs coming together. Some Jews believe there were 153 commandments, if you add all the ones together, not just from the law of Moses, but the ones added by the Pharisees. John was there that day, and he counted each of those fish. That Christ provided so many fish for his disciples was incredible enough. But that wasn't what Jesus was there for. I wonder if you noticed as I read that story a little detail. The charcoal fire. While the disciples had spent the night and only came up with an empty fishing net, Jesus was preparing an object lesson for them. He was building the exact same kind of fire that Peter had burned into his own memory. It's the same Greek word, and you can't miss the significance. Jesus was inviting Peter to share a meal around the same kind of fire in which he had betrayed his Lord. What Peter did was inexcusable. Christ knew that, but he still loved Peter. Christ redeemed Peter's soul in his death and resurrection. But there 
around that second charcoal fire, cooking breakfast for him, Christ redeemed Peter's friendship. Peter rejected Jesus. Jesus welcomed Peter in. Come, let's have breakfast together. For Peter, this must have been hard. It meant that Jesus was right all along. He had told Peter beforehand he would betray him. He warned Peter about trusting in himself. But it also meant that Jesus loved him. And it's difficult to accept love when you feel unlovable. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you're thinking about your own charcoal fire moments right now. Well, let Jesus' words speak to you as well. In that moment, Jesus was telling Peter that what is most important is not how lovable you are, but it's who loves you. Christ welcomed Peter in despite his betrayal, and he'll welcome you as well. His love will not be thwarted by your sin. But he goes further. Jesus didn't just welcome Peter back in. He walked Peter through a complete reversal of his betrayal. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. And then a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three betrayals, but three affirmations of love. Christ cared deeply for Peter. He didn't just come to him on that shore at the Sea of Galilee. He didn't just make breakfast for him and tell him everything was going to be all right. He waited for him there. He built that charcoal fire. He cooked a meal, and he restored Peter fully in his love. And he'll do the same for you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, Christ will find you, and he will restore you in his love. The resurrection continues to speak to us. If only we will open our ears and listen by faith.
Salem, from Nashville. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus here on this haven today. An Easter story that we've shared out of John 21. There are many alive today who have not taken the time to consider the story of Christ's resurrection. But movies like Risen might open the door for you to share with them how both Christian and non-Christian scholars for 2,000 years believe the historical evidence is abundant. And when you meet the risen Christ, your doubts and fears begin to fade away. That's just what happened in the life of Peter that we just heard. And when you watch Risen on DVD, you'll see a similar story. It'll unfold before your eyes. This movie is one of the best faith-building movies I've come across in a long time. It's historical fiction in the tradition of Ben-Hur and The Robe, both shot many, many years before. It follows the biblical text, but from the perspective of someone on the outside, a Roman soldier who's searching for the truth regarding the resurrection. Risen star Joseph Fiennes as a Roman officer who was searching for the body of Christ. Little did he know that his investigation would change his life forever. I think this film will capture your imagination and also encourage your walk with Jesus. So get in touch with us. Call us right now. Make a gift to the ministry, but ask for your copy of the DVD called Risen. Our number to call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org and watch the movie trailer and then make your gift at haventoday.org. And just before we have to go, we still have copies of Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters Volume 1 CD for your gift to the ministry. In fact, it's a deluxe version of the CD. It's the finest album on the resurrection I've heard in a long time. This album will cause you to rejoice with tears of joy as you worship the risen Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But again, we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. In many ways, the Apostle Paul was the poster child for weakness. He was nearly killed by stoning in Lystra, accused of weak teaching in Corinth, and imprisoned in Philippi. But in a letter he wrote to those Christians, he said, even though we are weak, Christ's resurrection brings us power. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. This weak apostle speaks boldly about pressing on, straining forward, and obtaining the prize. But it takes real strength, and that power comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. We may be weak, but because Christ has been raised, we are strong. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.